This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship video by St. Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on April 24, 2022. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. for the second Sunday of Easter is written in the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And I share the Paschal greeting with you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Please be seated. So grace and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. I wonder how peaceful Peter felt when the high priest called him to an audience and strongly rebuked him, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, and yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And Peter responded that he and his fellow apostles must obey God rather than any human authority. 
We must obey God rather than any human authority. I think there's been a little misused in recent years, this one. You know? I don't have to pay my taxes. I don't have to get a vaccination. But here, in context, Peter is talking about not being silenced by authorities that God has given him and his fellow disciples the authority to speak out, to share the good news, to declare forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Peter reminds us that they were eyewitnesses to many things, that they were taught and commissioned by Jesus to go and make disciples, along with the work of the Holy Spirit bringing people to faith and repentance through the preaching of the good news. It was not a time then, and it is not time now for Christians to be remaining silent. The silence of the grave has been broken by the triumphal bursting forth and victory of Jesus Christ who shares the victory and peace with God through the forgiveness of sins with all who follow him. It's a declaration for all people. And though we are not eyewitnesses of these events, we have heard, have we not, and read and been led by the Holy Spirit to believe. And we are not to be silent, but are to share the good news of Christ, not only confessing what the Scriptures say about him, but also what God has done in our lives through the risen Lord being present with us now. And we have much to be joyful about. We have much to celebrate, much to share, much to sing about because we are Paschal people, people of the resurrection. And we are not to be silenced by earthly authorities, but to speak boldly. Yes, eat boldly, even in the face of those who consider Christ and the church as being irrelevant at this time. And despite threats to sanction our or even harm us for being Christians, we are to stand firm, prepared to give an account for the reason of our hope, and also by doing good to all, even those who hate us. This is what we are called to do and to speak. And so far, how lucky are we? There are no laws against us believing in God and praising him here in Australia. Some in our society maintain their right to slander and misrepresent us, to restrict us with legally required processes and policies, but they cannot stop us from believing in, in or in following Jesus Christ. They may want us to keep silent, but silent believing is not what we are called to do. Our believing must not be silent. We are called to share the good news of Jesus. How are we doing with that? How are we going with that call? And what response do you get when you share the good news of Jesus Christ? Whether we are the prime minister of this country, a teacher or a shop assistant, an engineer or a student, whether we are grandparent or grandchild, we are called to speak. Speak up for Jesus. But the reality is that many people we witness to refuse to believe. And sadly also, some followers of Christ begin to doubt and fall away. 
Some out of fear of the world and what others are saying about their faith, ridiculing them at school or in other places. They may become ashamed of the cross. Yes, without being forced to leave Christ, the cause of doubt in their hearts and minds and not being willing to face and stand out from the crowd, they fall away. A lack of conviction, perhaps. A lack of commitment to Jesus, perhaps. Or perhaps they just somehow get separated from fellow believers. As Thomas was separate that day. Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, is an example of a person choosing to believe only in what they personally experience. It wasn't so much that he doubted his friends and their truthfulness in their report. Yeah, surely questioning their in- he was, in a way, <laughs> questioning their integrity of their testimony, that they'd seen Jesus, and it was probably a bit offensive to them. After all, there was at least nine of them telling him they'd seen the Lord, and he said, no, I won't believe. Surely, in his mind, the fact that reports of Jesus, who was crucified and dead, being alive again, seemed well beyond his ability to believe. Logic told Thomas that the other disciples must have been mistaken. They wanted Jesus to be alive so much that some, some imposter posing as Jesus had possibly tricked them. Thomas wanted tangible proof, tangible proof that he could touch that Jesus was alive by examining the life-taking wounds of his crucifixion. And here Thomas simply didn't express doubt, not just simple doubt, but a firm categorical refusal to believe that is common to many people when they're told that Jesus is risen from the dead. I will not believe. I won't believe unless I have proof, proof on my terms. And what are people asking for? I want to see him with my own eyes. I want to touch him. I can't trust these other, my other senses. I want to touch him. I want him to answer all my wants and needs. I want him to respond to my prayers and produce a miracle. Then I'll believe. I wonder what the goal of the gospel writer John is here. Well, we don't have to wonder too much. Because at the end of chapter 20, we read, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. John is writing an account of a disciple who doubted, and that helps us because we often have our doubts. And then there's those people who, who accuse the early church, these, these disciples, of getting together, conclu- con- colluding together to make up a story that Jesus was alive. But here's proof, again, that some of them questioned. They had doubts. They were in a journey of believing. It wasn't just a story that they'd all come up, from, come up with. And out of it, we learn that we cannot demand faith on our own terms. Faith is a gift from God. Well, Jesus did appear 
to Thomas eventually a week later, but he didn't, Thomas didn't need the physical proofs that he demanded that day. Jesus came to him, spoke his name, didn't rebuke him or ridicule him for his doubts, but lovingly showed that he knew Thomas deeper than Thomas knew himself, that even though unseen, Jesus knew about his demands his struggles to believe and his vow not to believe unless he could put his fingers in the risen Lord's finger, uh, the, the nail prints in his hands and put his hand into his side. Even though Jesus invited Thomas to do so that, mo- that morning, Thomas recognized the Saviour not by the wounds or having proof of touch, but that the Saviour knew him, knew all about his doubts and his words. And Thomas fell to his knees saying, My Lord and my God. He had moved from a refusal to believe to the fullest confession any Christian can make. Not only that Jesus is alive, risen from the dead, but that he is the Lord God himself to be worshipped and praised. And John doesn't avoid including these details that may put Thomas in a bad light for that short time. In fact, he tells the details, the reality of our human nature, that we who doubt might also be strengthened. And then the message of the gospel is clear, that by hearing the testimony of eyewitnesses, by the words of Jesus, the living word, and the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how we believe, not necessarily by touch, and using other senses. That doubts are not shameful. After all, some of those eyewitnesses had doubted and had to be convinced. And then Jesus asked if Thomas believed only because he had seen him. How blessed were those who would believe without having seen. Jesus is talking about us, how blessed we are. Blessed that the Holy Spirit works through the living word blessed by the unseen presence of Christ in the church. We need not demand physical proof, but come to faith by his presence and his constant care for us. He's with us now. The miracle of faith is the work of the Holy Spirit poured out on the church, the Spirit who empowers our testimony and convicts hearers of its truth, even if we stumble in the way we speak. The Holy Spirit can use our testimony of what we say and how we treat other people. This is the blessing that Jesus talks of, that having not seen, we believe by the gift of the Spirit-filled witness of the gospel and of those who share it. People around us may need to hear it more than once. They may need to be prayed for in order to move beyond unbelief and doubt into believing. Our love and care is also a testimony that the risen Lord is present in our fellowship. So we are to speak. We are to shine like that candle. We shine with the light of Christ. That convicts people of the truth of his resurrection. So we won't be silent. We won't stop speaking. And we won't stop caring in Jesus' name. But what should we do when we have doubts? What should we do? Well, first of all, admit that we have them. Beyond those who refuse to believe, I think that John speaks 
of doubts that come to us all time to time. What can we do during these times of doubt? Let's examine the things that helped Thomas, who wanted to believe, to move beyond doubt. Firstly, he didn't hide his doubts from his fellow disciples. He admitted it. He even said he would refuse to believe. And secondly, he remained in the company of those who believed that Jesus is alive. None of them are recorded as shunning Thomas and sending him outside. They didn't show frustration or irritation, but remained with him throughout his struggle with doubt. And we may need to also faithfully remain close to those in our circle from time to time when they doubt. And match perhaps for a much longer period than the seven days that Thomas doubted. When doubts assail you, or if your faith burns low, for goodness sake, don't leave the church. Seek the assistance of your fellow believers. Seek prayer and support from those who believe. Pray for faith in Jesus to overcome unbelief like the father recorded in Mark chapter 9 who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Stay within the company of Christ's friends. Nowhere else are people saying, the Lord is risen, Christ is risen. risen You won't hear that in the streets or in the pub. In other places where it's a bit dark. No, you'll only hear it in the body of believers. Hold on by their faith until it is your own. They will wait upon the Lord with you and show his love and care as you wait for his revealing himself to you. He may not reveal himself quite like he did to Thomas, but he will come to you. The Holy Spirit will convict your heart of the truth of his presence and care for you. Wait on the Lord. Trust that he sees you, that he knows you. He remains close to you and loves you, even when you struggle with doubts. He remains as Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says. He is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the earth who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. May the Holy Spirit continue to convict us of this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.